my name is Timothea and today we are welcoming Michael Bolin from Wakefield Press. Hi Michael. Hi Timothea. How are you going today? Very well, it's a beautiful spring day in this lovely library and this lovely precinct. It is indeed. I've only just um, seen the library for the first time today, it's only a year old apparently the um, new library and it's very very impressive. Oh thank you, I'm glad to hear, glad you could make it down. Um, so, would you like to start by talking a little bit about Wakefield Press and what you do there? Sure. Um, Wakefield Press is an Adelaide-based book publishing company. We publish around 30 to 40 new books each year. We have national and, in some cases, international reach with um, our publishing. I've been doing this for 32 years now for the same organisation of which I'm part owner. My work really at the moment is um, a kind of linchpin or dog's body, however you might want to describe it, between the various publishing processes, what's involved. So the sort of way to go through that is is perhaps in-house what we do, which is um, read and accept or not to manuscripts, devising a program, an annual program, you know, generally 18 months, two years ahead of what we will publish. Um, then the process is uh, editing, and I've worked certainly in editing, which can be the sort of dotting the T's and crossing the I's type of editing, which is called, called copy editing, or the structural editing, which uh, is more, look, what about if we move this around? Why is there so much here about this and not enough about that? Why is Eric uh, very lively on page 93 when he actually died on page 22? <laughs> those sorts of those sorts of things, and um, and you have to be able to get the the rhythm, the the language of what an author is trying to do, and I think that's the really important thing in editing is that. Uh, I always think that rhythm is what uh, is what matters in, in in language, in writing, in particular in written, because you're trying the author in a way you're trying to hypnotise as well as engage the writer. From the editor, the book will go generally to a designer or or straight to the typesetter, and typesetting is a very nineteenth-century sounding word, perhaps, but um, all of course is now done electronically. It's the drummer in the band, in a way. It's the person you're not really noticing in a book, except when they get it all wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you see what they call rivers of type, big white spaces and words. And, you know, just if it's interrupting you when you're reading it, if you're thinking this is going wrong, you know, I mean, it's, um, uh, it's, um, uh, it's can often, as often as not be in the type and in the design. So there's the book design and people think design, that just means cover. Well, it's not just the cover, it's the actual look of the book. We do a lot, quite a lot in art and illustrated books as well as novels. And, you know, there's no set formula that necessarily works best for those sort of books. And, of course, in all of this, there's a lot of to and fro with authors, often with organisations, in finding images, in chasing copyright permissions, in, in checking... So we're a marketing organisation as well, of course. We we sell to publishing. Publishing, uh, the, 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 the dictionaries say publishing is to make known. And so that really starts from the time a writer starts putting down an idea on, on a piece of paper mm. to actually getting 
the books into shops and from shops into people's homes by their beds. And libraries. Yes, and, li- <laughs> and libraries, 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 which really need an enormous amount more funding, I believe. They're so um, citadels, really. I mean, in secular age, you see how much goes on in libraries as well as books. You know, just, just, just the so many events, so many clubs, so, thing, so many places that matter. And because it's, I suppose, because it's, it, it's sort of quieter, uh, um, I, I just don't know that, that governments in particular see what value there is in libraries. It's, it's a little bit the same with books. They just don't seem to see the sexiness. I mean, um, the um, Australia Council surveys, there was one again recently that confirmed that reading is either the favourite or the second favourite way of Australians consuming the arts, that's called arts and culture. It's either it's either music, it's either popular music or or books, and um, by a long way, by a long way, and um, it's something that I suppose because books are part of the furniture, um, it's uh, that the, perhaps they're just not considered enough. Um, there's a lot of obviously a lot of layers to what you do that I think a lot of people probably don't realize what's behind the surface because everyone knows a book gets written and someone publishes it but yeah. there's all of these other elements to it. Could you could you tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry and what your journey was to yeah. to end up where you are now? I started with the Adelaide Review magazine um in 19 sometime, 80 something or other, 86 or 87, just at the time that's now sadly demised. I mean, I think the last issue was just out. We're talking just recently, here in yeah. early October, middle of October uh, 2020. And so just, uh, you know, if you want to know a little bit about how I got into the whole Please. thing was, um, um, well, it's various versions and I, I, I keep changing it a little bit, but the, I... <laughs> <laughs> It's a great storyteller <laughs> in you coming out there. <laughs> I, um, in those days, university was free, you know, and so I had one of the sort of um, late teens, early 20s that many people had in those days where you dropped in and dropped out of various <laughs> various courses and I'm way through an arts degree when I sort of went hitchhiking around Australia and discovered I wasn't very good at it and I wanted some, I wanted to be home, really. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly. But the, um, so I convinced... Um, the Adelaide Review to give me a job um, somehow, even though they, they were very small. But I knew Michael, and he, and he knew I think that uh, I, I'd learned to talk to people and learned about things, and so started flogging ads. And um, they'd just recently taken over Wakefield Press. It's quite complicated, I know, which had been a, a state government-founded um, uh, body um, to. to and, and State, had, under John Bannon, Premier Bannon, had, had founded it to publish books commemorating South Australia's 150th year since European settlement. Now, you wouldn't do that sort of thing now. but um, So that was in the early 80s. And then somehow, and I don't know how it happened, they, they decided to stop that or get rid of that. And, and the Adelaide Review magazine, about two or three years into its, in, into its existence, took it over in a sweetheart sort of deal where they were... Um, Distributing the books that the old that the state Wakefield had published on an agency basis, so so I became a sales rep, and also selling ads, writing reviews. That's a pretty lively scene in those days. 
you know, and my first job at the Adelaide Review, I had the very worst sense of direction. And but the first, one of the first jobs they gave me was doing the delivery, which they used to do, the delivery of the mags to uh, all over the city anyway, something way down south, way up north. And so it was meant to take, you know, me, I think, two days. I think it took me a week because I kept getting lost and <laughs> accepting the occasional glass of wine from the wineries or whatever. But the... Uh, um, yeah, so I t- so eventually, anyway, yeah, I had a little, I had, I had a, a mortgaged little cottage in the Adelaide Hills where I was living, and I couldn't. It was too far to travel anyway. And then when I did move, when I started working in the city again, I had a tenant who was seemed to be normally in jail, so he was never paying his rent, so my mortgage was getting further and further behind. But I had enough to, um, by selling it, to invest in taking Wakefield Press, which was a very tiny sort of thing. Off the, Adla- off the Adelaide Review's hands back in 80, early, late 88, early 1989. And so that was me, my girlfriend at the time, about seven cats in a house with a, with a second-hand computer. Um, and since then we've sort of grown. It's not, it's not a story of massive success, but it's a story of, you know, I'm pretty proud of... I'm pretty... I'm, as I said, somewhere I'm a bit like a wombat. I like to just stumble forward or keep going <laughs> forward despite impediments and um yeah now we're, we're as i say that was that was one person organization really but we, we um have developed and 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 a publisher across a wide range of of of, of books of, of genres did you did you want to go into publishing was oh, that right. an angle from early on or is that something that kind of grew as you yeah i think i i think I think when I realised I wasn't going to be a test cricketer <laughs> <laughs> um, or a rock star. <laughs> well, you're a rock star in the publishing industry. That's the way to look at it. Uh, look, yeah, I mean, I'd, um, yeah, reading, writing, creation is something I'd always loved. I can't – well, actually, I'm a very good drawer, uh, illustrator, but no one understands that. Um, dreadful. But the <laughs> – my wife's a It's high-concept stick drawings. <laughs> um, you know, I, I suppose if I, if I look back and said what would have been my dream job when I was 17, I don't know whether it would have quite been publisher, but I don't know what publisher meant. And, um, but I was very fortunate, you know, and even in those early years in the Adelaide Review when it had this sort of strong influence and a strong literary component, um, got to meet a lot, of, a lot of people, some of whom still publishing now, you know, books have developed from there and books that have developed from that magazine in the time, which is so you know, in the last five years, in the last mm. whatever, which is why it's so very sad that it should um, it should disappear and, it, and it's something that I think should be worrying uh, people. That, and a bit why you think, well, I started then having these dreams, do I really want to start a, ma- a, a magazine <laughs> at 60? But, um, I mean, you yes. know, a, a bit like the, 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 the Wakefield Weekly. You think, oh, well, here's something, as, yeah. as you were saying before, Timothy, that, that, you know, something for people to read, something for people to argue with, something for people to... Be entertained or hate or whatever you know. <laughs> just, uh, just, just, just having some influence. I mean, I remember an editor who taught me a lot, and partly she taught me a lot because she, she for some reason, used to fall out with every author about halfway through editing their manuscript, and so I'd have to take over. <laughs> a, soothe the waters, and B, just continue working out how she was editing. What the inter- anyway, she sort of helped us produce a couple of bestsellers, so and taught me a hell of a lot. But one thing she said was, um, you know what's important about publishing, you know, and some rich fella had said, you know, if, if, he, if he wanted to make money, he'd put it on the stock market or he'd invest it somewhere. But 
the really important thing is to have a stake in what's said and I think that's that is something that really that really does matter even if as with publishing I'm publishing you've got to be egoless it's the author I mean it's the author that 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 the people that readers really care about and, and wisely and that means authors have to do all the traipsing around and talking gigs and all that and some love it some some aren't so keen <laughs> um but um it's that it, it's still just just being part of a culture and, and feeling like you're contributing to a culture, I think, is a really is, is both the consoling and the rewarding sort of factor, and and I think it's just so vitally important. So at least you know, in in a small business, we employ twelve people directly, but hundreds of authors and sales reps and so know, the contractors as well, contractors, outside of that, yeah. printers, and we're providing material to, to libraries, mm. um, to you know, newspapers feed off book extracts and so on, magazines. I used to pay for them, but I don't anymore. Mm. But <laughs> stories, so pitching stories constantly to uh, radios, TV, film, whatever. Um, newspapers, magazines, such as still exist. What do, you, what do you think the future of publishing looks like, at least in, in Australia or in South Australia, if you like? In book publishing in mm. particular? Um, you know, 15 years ago, everyone said nobody would be reading a printed book again which turned out to be nonsense we publish ebooks as well why not you know i mean of, of course so i think there'll be a, at the moment i met, i think that the um there's no sign that people want to read less books i mean mm. that some you know there's i'm sure that the you know bookshop closes somewhere and then there's always this announcement that the death of the book and the people aren't reading books and so on. I'm sure it's um, liquidators and accountants who as young boys, mainly <laughs> boys, were forced to read books and hated it, you know. Because <laughs> they I'm, didn't I'm, read Paul Jennings, that's the thing. I've <laughs> <laughs> never been a great fan of forcing people to read books. And <laughs> forcing them to buy them doesn't sound a bad idea. But the um, uh, then they proclaim, you know, it's de- the industry said. But books haven't been that sort of hip-ish or... or um, you know, um, form of entertainment information, uh, you know, since early last century, really. I mean, you know, radio come, then television, then so on. But books have always continued. It's a, it's a big, big industry, and I just keep learning it. And and the way it continually adapts, you know, that wh- where they, um, where the uh, global financial crash of 12 years ago, and then the and then the notion that only ebooks would exist, or that that's all that people would want, which is completely wrong. It's mainly older people and others who who are, who are reading a lot on because it's just lightweight and it's easy to read. You know, it's a great thing to read on a tablet. But younger kids all seem to want um, physical books. I mean, they're, they're still cherished objects, um, and um, so it's a protein industry in that it keeps changing. So when it looked like those. Um, sort of um, uh, markets and new forms were going to be the death of the print book industry. Then this whole print-on-demand had been talked about for ages before, but no one had been able to work out how to do it so it was affordable from the production end and distribution end. But, um, you know, the mighty big Ingram uh, American organisation has, and I'm sure that will continue. So I'm sure that that sort of notion of quicker printing... But otherwise, at the moment, um, you know, I think electronic books, I think the audio books is obviously a big one, and we've got to get into that. Again, it's a matter of trying to work out the way to make it so you actually make, you don't lose a lot of money. Mm. Um, so I think hybrid 
sorts of models will continue to um, develop constantly. Uh, and I think in the end, it comes down to a good story well told. And, I, you know, how, how that's pervaded through what form of book. I mean, I think a book, as a book is, you know, because um, even talking about physical books, like one of the reasons I don't think they're going to die, and I don't think they ever really were going to die, but uh, and why they're increasing really in sales across the world, is um, because we're all staring at computers screens all day. The uh, there is less sort just even just the light reflection coming from a printed page is less. It's sort of it's it's relief <laughs> um, to that degree. And while I like everyone, I'm I'm addicted to looking at Twitter hopping between you know stories hopping between bits and bits and bits and bits sometimes you know when you're relaxed and think oh I've, I've only you know I've got 20 pages I've got another 180 pages to read <laughs> thank goodness I can be I can be told a story you know mm. I don't I don't have to you know I, 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 and I love that you know about a book is you can mm. it's, it's sort of you're in charge it's your own women pleasure you can walk around and Someone reconstructed people like me can go and have a cigarette in between or whatever. Now you can't smoke inside, but no, I'm giving <laughs> up anyway. But the, but the um, but you know you, you're in, you're sort of in charge, but you're in charge of allowing yourself, mm. allowing yourself to be told, to be seduced, and uh, you know to, to to be inspired, whatever, by um, a story. I mean, you know, I, what I read now is a lot different than I would have read. 30 odd years ago but that's just an age thing because I mean people get really interested in history when they're about 40 I believe <laughs> <laughs> and See, before that just phenomenon <laughs> dull yeah it's just it's just the law of nature you know you can't change it <laughs> so you know I love reading big fat history books and, mm-hmm. and thinking well I'll try and learn as much about the world before I go you know <laughs> um, do you have any any tips I suppose for someone who might be wanting to approach publishing as an industry to work in publishing, mm, to work yeah. In publishing. Look, um, in book publishing, well, um, I'll tell you. Uh, look, tips gets um, tips of being in the right place at the right time, which I was, and then say so Maddie, who's was recommended by a person who was leaving. You know, so there's a lot of that that happens. But um, bookshop experience, I think, is a very good thing for anyone who wants to be an editor, who wants to be a um, you know, you know, an editor, editor might be a backroom thing, but I mean, people to have some understanding of how the industry works. Uh, you know, joining the South Australian Writers Centre um, is always, you know, it's called now Writers SA, and and having, uh, you know, they have often have um, sessions on on the industry, which is a good thing to learn. Um, I mean, the jobs are various, so I mean, uh, you know, to be a salesperson, which is one of the areas in there and I really wish there were more people who wanted to sell books mm-hmm. you know, as well as write or, or, or edit most people who come want to be an editor well if you want to be an editor you have to be um, able to be very very focused you have to have personality you have to be able to generally whether it's by email or often with us because we've published quite a lot of local authors it's it's sitting across a table it's talking you have to have that it's um skill eventually i mean you're never going to have it at the start because you're going to be nervous but the skill of um you have to be egoless it's not your book mm. it's not your book on the other hand what you what you are as a, as a book editor 
really as a bookseller in a way as well, is you're standing in for the reader. I mean, you're the intermediary, you're the person there is, who's, who's representing um, the market, if you want to call it that way, or mm. readers, depending on whether you're running a grant application or not. That, um, is, uh, so um, it's just understanding. I mean, you have to be able to sit there and care about where, whether the comma is in the right place. Mm. And it's not something you necessarily notice, but once you start getting into a manuscript very, very closely, that you go through a period where you think, this is, this is just <laughs> because, you know, it's when you say a word many times it starts losing meaning. It's the mm. same as when you start looking at a text really, really closely. It starts all disintegrating between you. But so you need, so you need to have written skills, you need to have grammar, spelling. I mean, these things matter enormously. Of course. Um, general knowledge, but also that sort of ability to engage in the dance with the author, which it can be of going this way, that way, and, and you know, realising to which battles to which battles to fight and which which not to. Mm. And and another thing for people submitting manuscripts really do need to realise it takes them quite a long time and mm. costs money to what's, consider submissions. What um what would be your advice to any authors who are interested in getting published or um, well, a couple of things. Again, writers' essay is mm. a, if you're in South Australia or, or whatever your local writers' centre. Most all of, most of the states, all of the states, have similar bodies. Um, always check publishers' websites. Find out what they do, uh, and you know, often I'll say, no, we're not accepting X. You know, we're not accepting religious books, or we're not accepting how-to books, or whatever it might be. So don't waste your time there. Um, make sure that your submission, whatever it might be, and you know, publishers will say whether they want the full manuscript or just a synopsis, or uh, make sure that that doesn't have typos in the first sentence because you're still thinking, oh, God, how am I going to fix this? And I don't want to read this, and it's a bit impolite. Same, same with your covering letter. Don't be smarmy. Just um, say, you know, this is what I is. This is what I've done. I mean, I always think, even for a novel, what, you know... A preface to a to a book of, or a forward, if you like, you know that that bit, that introduction at the start, three paragraphs is ideal. Saying why this book? I mean, that's a question. I mean, there are a billion books in the year, and there's nobody not writing one. But the, <laughs> but well, it's not quite true. But, the, <laughs> but the, um, we're all or trying in, or intending to write one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so is the um, is tell us why? What what is it? And it can be. That can be lengthier, and you know, for academic books, there's often very long submissions, and people want to know what else is published, what else is. To me, that doesn't matter quite so much. It's just knowing that a person has an intent, there's a reason, mm. and um, it does help to show a sign of you know what the publishers do. You know, you say do, do, do a bit of flattery sometimes. In a, in a, never ring up. Um, doesn't matter to ring up to say, you know, what? How do we submit? What do we do? But to ring up and. Quite often, and it's understandable because people are nervous and they're obsessed by their story, whatever whatever it is. Start a long um, description of what the book is, and I, really, the person on the phone nervous is going to be also answering emails. They're or not making at the, same the decision. Time. Yeah. And that, that, well, they're not making the decision, and and also they're not going to decide on on that, and they're, they're unlikely to be able to follow what's mm. what, what you're actually saying. So, it's take a deep breath and and sort of be. A, uh, yeah, don't try and sell just over a phone call because it's very unlikely to work unless you've really got a really good pitch. And mm. It's not like you're sitting uh, in a room perusing 
manuscripts, a lot of that reading, a lot of that designing, it's done out of hours anyway. Mm. Um, but also write a really good book. So <laughs> that's that's got to help, surely. Really, that's, that's really the most important thing. You know. Before... Um before we wrap up, did you want to tell us a little bit about what Wakefield Press has coming up before the end of the year that people might be able to get yeah, into? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've just released a book um, that I think might be of interest to people around this area. Jeff Goodfellow, who's best known as a as a poet and a very successful one and, and showman. And uh, Jeff's written this lovely memoir in short stories. It's a small book. Um, but it's just, as Helen Garner has said in, in an endorsement, it just it, it glows, it hovers on the edge of laughter. And it's it's a story from being a five-year-old Milky's assistant um, on the horse-drawn cart uh, to about a, the age of 20 and growing up in Broadview, uh, Copley Street Broadview. <laughs> and it's a terrific, terrific read. And it's getting quite good coverage at the moment. But I know Jeff's coming to talk at the library and uh, that should be very much fun. Also coming is Charlie Archibald. Now, Charlie is a writer for young adults and uh, an educator, a teacher, as we used to call them, um, who, um, whose first book we published, I can't quite remember, but four or five years ago, called Mally Boys, which is a, a, a book for young adults um, set in the Mally country. And it went on to become the Honour Book, which is basically the runner-up for the Children's Book Council of Australia Awards. And we were thrilled because we just started in the, in, the, in the young adult field and meant mega sales, actually, because that's a, like a funnel to the mm. schools, um, that, that award. So, so that was a... That was a um, a novel, as I say, about, about about boys, which is another thing that in that you know the, the the main characters were two boys, two brothers, and uh, that uh, another thing that schools are constantly looking for books that boys can be encouraged course, to read and, yeah. and might actually read. So that's a, that's a tremendous novel and a tremendous hit. And she's just now released a novel in completely a, a novel for young adults again, but a novel with sort of echoes of The Handmaid's Tale and so a, a, a book called um, Indigo Hour, which is also sort of in between sci-fi and fantasy. And so we've got that and much more besides. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, well, thank you so much, Michael, for joining us today. It's been Thanks, wonderful Timothy. chatting with you. Great to get some insight into your um, your work and the, um, the industry at large. It's been very interesting. Thank you very much. Thanks thank for you. having me.